The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent that if you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. Today, we are continuing our summer shoot-around series that we'll be doing over a seven-week span. We've already published episodes on Arizona, Arkansas, and Baylor. We're working in alphabetical order, so now we're turning our attention to Connecticut. Last season, UConn finished 31-8 and overall, 13-7 and in the Big East, finished fourth in the Big East, but first in the country because after the Huskies lost to Marquette in their second game of the Big East tournament, they never lost again. Six straight double-digit wins in the NCAA tournament, beat Miami by 13 in the Final Four, beat San Diego State by 17 in the title game, finished number one at Ken Palm with an adjusted efficiency um, an adjusted efficiency margin of plus 29.86. That was 2.14 better than anybody else. The top two scores from that team and arguably the three best players are gone. But Tristan Newton, Alex Carabin are back. So is Donovan Klingon. And on paper, at least, the Huskies have a real shot to repeat as national champions. I've got UConn ranked eighth in the top 25 and one. We'll see what Norlander thinks about that next. But first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, dead leg. UConn is a preseason top 10 team. Can you dig it or do you despise it? Okay. I thought this was, I thought this was last week's. No, I'm settled we in. We jumped the weekend. I'm settled in. No, enough. <laughs> dig it or despise it does not need to be a thing. Cause once again, uh, I'm neither. Uh, I don't dig it and I don't despise it. Um, they having lost three NBA players. I mean, the, the expectations for this team got significantly recalibrated at one point. This was your number one team in 
It was the number one team in your first edition, right? Was it not? Of the right. offseason uh, top 25 and one? Yes, but that was projected with them bringing back Adama Sanogo, bringing back Andre Jackson, and losing uh, Jordan Hawkins. Turns out they lost all of them, even though Sanogo wasn't even picked in the 2023 NBA draft. On that, by the way, um, so right now UConn is third at at BartTorvik.com. You can sort date and do all sorts of neat stuff over there. Mm -hmm. Um, If you run, if you you add Sanogo, oh, you don't even know about the roster tools, do you? I'm aware. You don't know about roster tools. Yeah, I'm aware if, of the roster tools. If you um, if you add uh, Adama Sanogo back to UConn's roster, they would be preseason number one according to Torvik. That's so, fair. So the only thing keeping them from being preseason number one is losing their starting big, who decided to enter a draft uh, where he uh, wasn't needed. No, but he does. Uh, he does potentially have a future for him in the NBA, and uh, he's on a two way with the Bulls right now. Away with the Bulls, and you know what? He, I, I think he was just—he uh, had lived the college experience, loved the college experience, and was ready for the next step. So, more power to him, and we'll see what uh, what the future awaits for one Adama Sinogo Final Four MOP. Uh, before we get to uh, the roster, uh, we'll note that Dan Hurley, as expected, you know, signed a new deal, uh, and his new deal goes through 2028, 2029. So that was uh, a bit of news in this off season. He's now—he's guaranteed. Uh, north of 32 million over the course of this deal is slated to make 4.5 million this season. That will go up in subsequent years. Not bad for a former high school coach. I will remind you before Hurley uh, got into Division One coaching Wagner than Rhode Island. Yes, he was a longtime high school coach at St. Benedict's Prep in New Jersey. And now look at him; he's a top 10 paid coach in all of men's Division One basketball. Um, a few incentives. So here are his incentives. It's- Good to check in on a, a public university's contract situation every now and then. Winning the Big East regular season and the conference tournament each. If that happens, hundred grand in Hurley's pocket. If he makes the first or second round, if he makes the tournament, you get to the tournament, 50K. Win a game, 50K. You make the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight, 100,000. If you make the title, Final Four and title game, each 200K apiece for Dan Hurley. If you win the whole damn thing again, 500K into Hurley's pocket in incentives there. Uh, he also gets 50,000 if the team is ranked in the top 25 at the end of the regular season. Um, 100,000 if you're ranked top 10. 50,000 if he is named the conference coach of the year and 100K for national coach of the year. I bring this kind of stuff up because it's why I have zero issue with any kind of player getting any kind of NIL deal. Dan Hurley has earned this money and he won a national championship and has brought UConn back to the top of the sport and he should be paid handsomely. But it, that means that the players that help make that happen, go get that money, GP. Oh, it, it's uh, and not to get too off track here because this is a UConn episode, but on the subject of name, image, and right, likeness, you're exactly right. Like these coaches, we've gotten like SEC media days, you know, last week. And you got these football coaches, uh, Lane Kiffin on down the line, complain about, uh, complaining about name, image, and likeness. And like that, the and, and people just randomly like are troubled in some cases by how much how much money these kids are making, and it's pay for play. Do you realize big time college athletics is if we're college athletics, at least in football, and men's basketball, is more like a professional sports league than than what the idea of college athletics was when we first created this a long, long time ago. And in um, in college athletics, that's still the only place 
where the coaches, whatever you think Hunter Dickinson is making at Kansas, the coaches make way more money than the best players in college basketball and way more money in the best than the best players uh, in college football. Steel. That's not true in the NFL. The best players make more money than the coaches, except for Saquon Barkley and any other running back. <laughs> the, uh, the, the best players in the NBA make way more money than the coaches. The best players in Major League Baseball make way more money than the managers. But in college football and college basketball, the c- best coaches are still making 10 times, 20 times, 30 times what the best players are making. So stop complaining. You're still on the right side of this thing. Very much the right side. And uh, and I think a lot of coaches would acknowledge that. But yes, there can be certainly a, a tone deaf factor uh, if if they step in it the wrong way. By the way, credit to Will Aldum of CT Insider covers the Huskies who uh, did the digging on the on the contract stuff. And uh, and I'm referencing his reporting here and, and looking at a, a publicly available contract. If you are curious on the Hurley buyout, it's 10 million right now that drops to. A, it drops to a cool 7.5 next spring and then 3 million, 2 million after that. But the buyout is significant. And uh, you and I both saw Hurley on the, on the road in, in July earlier this month at peach jam backward hat Hurley. I mean, he I is, love to see he another- is living. Uh, we might've even brought this up on the show. Maybe we did, but he is living life and enjoying it while on the recruiting grind. Don't get me wrong here, but there is a certain, there is a certain strut to Dan Hurley right now, and I don't fault him whatsoever. When you consider his his brother, his father, and what he did at UConn, he has he has earned to strut like a peacock. Absolutely, I love it. I love seeing men my age and older wear their hats back. Oh, this is I know. Without it, you you do it already. You do it even more situations if it. Was I know, but it empowers me when I see another I when I see a Dan Hurley embrace the hat backwards at his age. It empowers me to continue doing the same. Makes me feel makes me feel more like you know. Some people might say, "Hey, buddy, you ain't so young anymore. Turn your hat around, right?" But if I got Dan Hurley standing behind me, I feel a little bit like a national champion. I'm with you. I'm I'm prone to to flip it around every now and again. Even on this very podcast, it's happened. So. Um, that's the uh, the Hurley contract situation overdue. His assistants also, it should be noted, got sizable bumps as they should. And Klingon, although I don't have numbers to provide you, uh, from what I've gathered, Klingon's NIL deal, as it should, he's a local kid on top of all of it, uh, is pretty uh, pretty formidable here as he gets ready for his, his uh, sophomore season. If you are curious, as we get ready to look at what this roster is and what UConn can do, here are the previous follow-up seasons to the four other times UConn won a national championship. So they win it in 99. The next season, 28-5, and five, fourth in the Big East, was a five seed out in the second round. 0405, they follow up the Emeka championship year. They go 23-8. and eight. Get ready for this. They finished tied for first in the Big East with... Boston College, cool, high wow. watermark for BC. Yeah, that happened 2005. Believe it. UConn was a two seed that season, but knocked out in the second round again by Julius Hodge and NC State. What do you know about Cameron Bennerman, GP? That's I know, what I thought. I know Julius Hodge. Like, didn't he, yeah. he either he hit somebody or somebody he hit. hit him? He got hit <laughs> in the ball sack. By? Was it Chris Paul? Correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Julius Hodge, really, really good college player. Uh, was actually, if I recall correctly, was actually a, a pretty, like one of the athletes that took to Twitter and was pretty good at it in like the early stages of the tweet machine. And yet, um, yeah, just getting hit in the nuts. That is unfortunate. I, but, I, but I was just literally, when you brought up Julius Hodge, what I thought of is like, I think me and Julius Hodge used to tweet, tweet each other sometimes. And th- but I, but I yeah. don't remember the last time I interacted or even saw Julius Hodge. 
What do you think well, happened? Did I, should, happen? I don't know, but I hope he's out there doing uh, doing just fine. I can do yeah, a right as we do it right now. I'm gonna check right now. See yeah, what check uh, on him. Make sure he's okay. I, I follow 24 Hodge. There we go. A little Rock, assistant at Little Rock. You know what? I think that's accurate. I feel like I heard that in the past couple of years. Um, I think that might be the case there with well, uh, with good old. Maybe Julius I should Hodge. maybe I should cross the mighty Mississippi and go see him someday. How far are you to Little Rock? Two and a half, something like that. Why don't you? Yeah, if I was you, you know I'd be there. I went to Little Rock to see Nine Inch Nails when I was in high school. I don't know why I can't go see Julius Hodge. He is indeed an assistant on the staff. Julius Hodge. I love that stuff, man. That is, that is he's, awesome he's to see. poor UConn fans. Whatever. They're going to deal. Deal. <laughs> poor UConn fans are like, I thought this was a UConn episode. These two idiots are talking about Julius Hodge getting him. Why the ball. should we? Julius Hodge didn't knocked him out. Oh, five. Oh, five tournament. Uh, two more. Uh, they win it under Calhoun in 2011, the Kemba year. Uh, the next year was Calhoun's last season. They went 20 and 14, ninth in the Big East, as it used to be constituted. Nine seed, one and done in the tournament. And then 2015, uh, the rare example of a reigning national champion failing to make the NCAA tournament. They were under Kevin Ollie, went 20 and 15, fifth in the American, and one and done in the NIT to Arizona State. So we'll see. What awaits UConn here? But historically, uh, it's been spotty. And, and NCAA tournament success has not followed in the ensuing season, have never been able to make a, a second weekend. And in one instance, literally didn't even make the tournament there. So Sonogo Jackson Hawkins are gone. Joey California is out. But good for him. By the way, as a, as a quick side note, because I talked with Tom Moore, the assistant for UConn on the recruiting trail earlier this summer about this. You know, he comes from San Diego, goes across the country, wins a national championship, gets some good shine carries it with him forever. Just an awesome transfer story, right? So he's done, but good for him. Naheem Aline transferred. He's at St. John's. Their team will focus on on a future shoot-around episode uh, with Newton back, Caravan, and then Klingon. He's going to be joined by combo guard Stefan Castle, who's a five-star lead guard from Covington, Georgia. Top 10 player in the class, according to 247 Sports. He'll be the big name solo ball, Solomon ball. Um, I'm not sure which he prefers. Hurley has mentioned him specifically as solo ball to me a couple times in the past. He's from Leesburg, uh, Virginia, four-star player, and he'll play alongside another long-term, in my opinion, a long-term wing from Seattle, Jalen Stewart. Klingon's the big name here because Newton coming back is huge. He's going to be the lead uh, point guard there. Caravan, I expect to make a really nice jump as a, as a, a second-year player. But will Klingon be the guy who isn't just the centerpiece but makes the jump from the best off the bench player in college basketball last season to one of the five best players in the sport period. If you follow Evan Miyakawa's data, Klingon uh, per minute for any returning player, the second most impactful guy in the sport to, of course, Edie. Um, that's according to, you know, his uh, Bayesian formula, there, offense and defense combined. I can believe it. We'll see how he wears that. He's obviously going to be very eager to uh, to do that. And then, of course, Cam Spencer, the transfer from Rutgers, is the other big name to know. 43% three-point shooter on 4.8 trays per game GP. Career, 86% foul shooter. 50.4% career started his career at Loyola, Maryland from inside the three-point line. I would expect him to start as well. Where do you have UConn again to remind our listeners right now uh, in your top 25 and one? And do you consider this team to be the favorite in the Big East? Um, I have UConn eighth 
in the top 25 and one, I do not have UConn as the favorite. I have Marquette as the favorite at sixth. So I've got Marquette sixth, UConn eighth, Creighton ninth. So only three Big East schools in the top 25 and one right now, but they're all in the top 10. For what it's worth, at Torvik, UConn is the favorite in the Big East. He's got UConn three, Creighton four, Villanova 11, Marquette all the way down at 17. So um, I think you could reasonably call UConn um, a favorite if you wanted to. Um, I lean a little toward Marquette based on everything they bring back from. Don't forget the team that actually won the Big East title and the Big East tournament uh, last season. On Klingon, like Evan's got uh, better data than I, obviously, but I do have an Apple, uh, uh, I have an iPhone, and it's got a calculator on it. And last season, for as much as he got talked about and the attention he got, and uh, he only played 13 minutes a game. I know, right. but that speaks to how impactful it, okay. he was. He so was let's just monster. let's just multiply everything by two. Let's say instead of playing thirteen, he plays twenty six minutes a game. That's what Sonogo played last season. Twenty six minutes a game. I would bump that, but let's be conservative and say twenty six. Yeah. Let's okay. say he plays twenty six minutes a game and keeps his per minute averages. You're looking at something like fourteen points, eleven rebounds, and nearly four four blocks a game. And if he is that, he's going to be all conference, bordering on all American level guy. For sure. And for UConn fans, you know, they're obviously going to be I think that's this. That's the the very thing. Aside from like, we just won the title. How are we going to look in, in, in this year after? Like, I, I think that's the just uh, living in the state and knowing um, knowing the fan base to a certain extent. I think that's the biggest thing. But it, the, next to that, it is. All right, is Klingon going to be that guy? Like, is he going to be the guy that, you know, we've seen so many bigs in college basketball in recent seasons really elevate in terms of prominence and statistical dominance? He's got a chance there. How much was it him being a beneficiary? Because I detailed this in a, in a story I wrote prior to UConn winning the national title as one of my final four features. And the way that UConn ran its offense with Sonogo was different from, the, you know, when it was running uh, lobs and different kind of uh, sets in action for Klingon. It was two different kinds. And it kind of made UConn all the more difficult to prep for and adjust to in real time in games. I think he'll be ready for it. I thought he would have been a first-round NBA draft pick had he gone but he's, he's also betting on himself here because uh, there's no guarantee it, it happens. But uh, from all reports out of stores in the past couple of months, like he is invested, ready, prepping. And, I, and I'm super eager to see what he is. Now, I don't think he has to carry this team because Newton's a veteran point. Uh, UConn fans know what Caravan can do. Nationally, Caravan's probably a little undervalued, but Caravan like, was the kind of freshman presence that coaches just cherish in terms of like, didn't complain about his minutes, did the absolute best with what he was given out there. And now he's going to have a chance to do even more. And then UConn's got like, they've got this loaded freshman class GP, like castle. I think castle will start. I think you're starting five right now is Klingon caravan, Newton, Spencer, and then castle with Newton being the lead point guard. But, you know, Cam Spencer and castle are both good distributors as well. So they might occasionally inherit those, uh, playmaking duties as well. And if they do that, you know, Spencer and Newton also have some shooting ability. Newton had a couple of triple doubles last season. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what this team can be from what I am told. Stefan castle, his role would be closest, even though he's not the same kind of player, he would be closest to an Andre Jackson jr. Kind of role. Um, but he won't be as impactful or as, as all over the floor as Jackson was last season. Obviously, Jackson made a huge jump there, but I think he'll be the guy that plays most as a freshman, and then you'll get plenty of ball who uh, who 
you know, who will certainly, I think, get good burn. And then we, it's the matter of between Stewart, Jaden Ross, uh, forward out of Bristol, Virginia, how much burn they get as well. There are some, there are some real curiosities here, but I would be surprised if UConn took a big step back. I'm not expecting that the league itself. And we'll get into this on our big East episode. When we get into the fall, I think the top of the big East is going to be super competitive. I think there's actually plenty of questions once you get like to the six spot or so and go on down. But, um, We'll see, and we'll see how, how Hurley wears this kind of success because he has been a coach for a long, long time who has been fueled off of uh, you know doubts and slights, real or perceived, whatever. It has driven him forever, and to a certain extent, I think it still will, but when you win the national championship, you take that trip to the White House, you see your guys get picked in the lottery and, and multiple guys go off to the NBA and just things, you know, the, the, the temperature in the air naturally changes, Um I think Hurley's probably wired enough to uh, to make himself paranoid in a good way to k- keep this going. And they've been used to trying to repeat with national champions there for a number of years at UConn, obviously, and previously GP. But uh, but I don't know. I think I think there's I think there's a chance UConn could be a top five team in the country. But if you told me that they took a step back and, you know, actually this team wound up finishing fourth in the Big East and something like that. And they they got a, a four, five, six seed. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility because of how much talent they lost. Um, they finished fourth in the Big East last year. I know, and they had a weird, but they had remember they had that weird dip. Yes, January it was a weird January where they, they were, they just couldn't. Early yeah. COVID and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, just some thoughts on the roster. I think you've got the starting lineup right. Tristan Newton will be the starting point guard, but Stefan Castle can play with the ball in his hands. Like he's a combo guard. I don't think you'd want him to be your lead guard as a freshman for a team trying to chase a national title. But you can put the ball in his hands, and um, I do think, assuming he makes it to the NBA, and most people ranked where he is in his high school class do, um, he will play with the ball in his hands at least some at the next level. You lose Jordan Hawkins shooting, but you add Cam Spencer shooting. Different kind of players, obviously, but Spencer did make Mm -hmm. 43.4%, 4.93s per game last season at Rutgers. Um, Carabin was good last season, like nearly 10 points, five rebounds a game. Um, He should be rock solid, like understands his role. I'm not worried about that. Um, Listen, anytime you're saying, I think this team can be just as good as last season's team when last season's team won the title and finished first at Kimpom, you're setting the bar a little too high. Uh, But um, this team can, this team can, compete for the Big East title, and compete for the national championship. In my opinion, if you were putting a list of 10 teams that can win the national title, um, I would definitely have UConn on it. And then in addition to that starting lineup, uh, Solomon Ball, Jalen Stewart, you know, both top 55 freshmen, uh, they'll come off the bench. And ideally for UConn, they'll play roles this season and then be able to slide into bigger roles next season. But as you know, given the transfer portal, uh, getting a second season out of any player coming off your bench is never guaranteed. One more thing before I get to the schedule, a non uh, or sorry, and a significant thing about this is that UConn won a national title and didn't lose an assistant to another job. Uh, maybe it should have. You could easily argue it should. I mean, Tom Moore's been there for a long time and was formerly a coach at Quinnipiac, but he was part of former national championships under Calhoun. Uh, Luke Murray is someone who's been coveted for jobs and turned down a number of them before. And Kamani Young uh, certainly is is getting more increased buzz and and is probably overdue to be honest to be a to be a head coach at the mid major level at this point. But one reason or another, it didn't happen. Um, it just gives if you can have consistency on your staff year over year over year, 
I find that to be a, a very beneficial thing. Tom Izzo would speak to that. He had the same staff for a long time at Michigan State. Now there has been recent turnover. And head coaches want their assistants to become head coaches as well. But there wasn't that this year. I'd be willing to bet that a year from now, uh, at least one of those coaches is moving was, on to a new job. I was going to say, within three years, I think both Kamani and Luke will be Division One head coaches. Uh, agree. Agree. Um, okay, so schedule-wise, over when <laughs> regular season win total, by the way, Nada's doing a great job with the graphics on this. If you follow, and you should, I on CBB Podcast on Twitter, we are posting uh, video clips, links to the show, and then uh, reminding you of, of what we're doing with uh, with these picks here. So here is the schedule for UConn. Remember, Big East, round robin. They'll have 20 games. They'll play everyone home and away, so it makes it easier with this. The, non- the UConn non-conference schedule is not out, but I have every power conference opponent it's going to face here. So... First is the Empire Classic. Now, we don't know the opponents. But that's November 19 and 20 at MSG. Now, the other three teams involved in this, Indiana, Texas, Louisville. If it was me and I was scheduling this, I would put UConn. I would, because it's winner versus winner, losers versus loser. I would make UConn versus Texas the guarantee game and not wait and see if they play for the, the Empire Classic Championship. All due respect to these MTEs, people don't really get that fired up over winning a four-team MTE. Give us UConn versus Texas, and then chips fall where they may, and then give UConn, Indiana, or Louisville. If you give us UConn versus IU, Texas, Louisville, Texas wins, Indiana upsets UConn, we don't get the, the matchup we should get there. But they'll get two of those three teams. Then at Kansas, yes, and I think this is great, a, a, a matchup of the two most recent national champions. In a, in a true on-campus environment, December 1, Big East Big 12 battle at Kansas. Then, just four days later, UConn's going to come back to the East Coast and go back to the Garden to play North Carolina in the Jimmy V Classic. And then Gonzaga in Seattle. Gonzaga will make the cross-country trip next year, next year, and not this upcoming one, and play it in the Garden. So only five, I don't want to say only, five out of the 11 non-conference games against power conference opponents. We don't know who specifically will be in the Empire Classic, but I gave you that. Rody, Kansas, Carolina against in Store South at, at the Garden, and then against Gonzaga in uh, quasi-enemy tor- territory. That's not Spokane. That's in Seattle. I am setting the over-under. At 22.5 regular season wins, GP, what is your win total for the UConn Huskies heading into the 2024 Big East Tournament? You know how I do this. I got to work backwards. We start at 31. Yes. I think they'll be favored in every non-league game except for at Kansas. Maybe maybe Gonzaga and Seattle? Um, I could see maybe Texas. We'll see. Okay. They got Texas. I'm going to give them I'm going to give them three non-league losses. All right. Okay. At Kansas, maybe at Gonzaga or in Seattle against Gonzaga, and then just somewhere else, just somewhere else. I don't know where, but just one. So three, and then I'll do 15 and five in the Big East. So I'm going to go eight, eight losses before the start of the Big East tournament, 31 minus eight. I just landed on 23. You did 23 and eight. Now you're going to give them a, a better league record by two games than the team that just won the national championship and lost three guys to the NBA, just so we're clear. Yes, how about this? The, both these things can be true. I do not think this team will be as good as last season's team. I do think this team will be better in the Big East than last season's team. I think that's fair. I think it's possible. And again, we'll get deeper into this on our Big East-specific episode. But I think between, geez, man, uh, Butler, Georgetown, DePaul, Seton Hall, Providence, maybe St. John's. We just got to see. We could be wrong, um, but maybe there's going to be... Maybe there's going to be a little bit of a weak bottom that enables UConn to that. So GP's got him 
at 23 and 8. I have them only t- so I have them better in the non-con. I have them two non-con losses. And again, everything that we didn't mention is going to be a bye game. UConn's going to host mid and low major opponents, so we're going to assume victories there, although nothing is obviously automatic. But I will say two non-league losses. And then I will say an identical league record. I'm going to say for the second straight year, UConn goes 13 and seven in the Big East. So I got the Huskies at 22 regular season wins, 22 and nine. You've got them at 23 and eight. Ooh, you don't believe in Muss. You don't believe in Hurley. I mean, it's it's you're gonna look around. You ain't gonna have no friends no more. Nah, that's a call out to Russ from the Boneyard. Come get me, Russ. That's right. So 22 and nine, UConn. And I think that's a shoot-around episode. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for watching, listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify, rate it, review it. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. We will continue our summer shoot-around series later on this week. Talk to you soon. Till then, take care. <laughs>